Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. This is episode number two, and we're going to talk about how to focus on what matters most while everything seems to be changing. Over the past couple of weeks, I had so many conversations with leaders across the ranks who talk about how things are changing left and right and the challenges that come with it. Vendors who are no longer in business or vendors who are putting things on hold, projects on hold, partners who are in distress, projects who may have been halted, stalled, abandoned or postponed. It could also be that certain team members are no longer on the team that were laid off or furloughed. Partners that they interacted with may have been laid off or furloughed. Or then just simply there was a hiring stop and and people that you have dependent on for projects that are about to start or have started, they will no longer be joining the team because your company is not hiring anymore. So you're likely constantly in that mode of changing and adapting to new realities as the world has shifted. Now, as I'm having these conversations with clients, the theme that came up really often was was sort of how do we stay focused on what matters most, what we were hired for as leaders, so that we're not getting bogged down by the details because our team members might be challenged by the by the changes and are looking to you for guidance. And then you look at that problem and take a deep dive into it, spending days, hours, meetings and trying to solve it, while at the same time neglecting sort of that overarching strategy and the overarching role of guiding your team through this crisis, right? So it becomes really reactive of the fire drills, reacting to emails in the morning, reacting to to conversations with team members and just going from one fire drill to the next. And there's a big challenge with this and a big problem with this. And it reminded me of the story that I read a little while ago about the airplane crash that happened in 1972. This was Eastern Flight 401, a flight that departed in New York and everything was going really smooth. It was shortly before midnight that they were flying over the Everglades and were about to put the landing gear down. Now, as they were trying to put the landing gear down, the co-pilot or the pilot noticed that a light that would indicate that the landing gear has successfully extended didn't illuminate. And that got them concerned. So this was a red alarm bell because you don't want to land the plane if the landing gear is not out, right? So what happened was that the pilot, the co-pilot, both of them, by the way, experienced pilots, as well as a technician who was uh, on the flight and the entire crew who was available would focus on figuring out what happened and why did this light not illuminate, to investigate on why this light didn't turn on, they turned on the, the autopilot. So they aborted the landing, went back up in the air, turned on autopilot, and the entire team was trying to figure out what is it and can they actually climb down to the, the airplane where, that, where they would physically see whether or not the landing gear had successfully extended. Um, and... What happened in this time, the the minutes that passed as the team was focused on this light bulb that didn't go on and the implications of it, 
The autopilot had mistakenly been uh, turned off and the airplane slowly started descending and losing altitude without anyone noticing because they were over the Everglades and there was no lights indicating their altitude. All of a sudden, they realized that they were super, super close to ground level, but it was too late. They didn't realize that the airplane was about to crash until a few seconds before it crashed. This was a really sad moment. Over 100 people had lost their lives in this accident, including the the pilot and the co-pilot. This crash served as a lesson for for the aviation industry and, and a lot of the pilots about what to focus on in times of a crisis. And it actually translates really well into what we're doing right now and what we're seeing in companies right now. The lesson is that no matter what, the pilot's main responsibility is and has to be no matter what to keep the airplane in the air right? Unless they're successfully trying to land, the pilot's responsibility is to keep the airplane in the air. So right now, as you're going through the days with the changes left and right, and everything is sort of out of out of control, possibly, and there are a lot of different fire drills and things that you didn't um, expect, couldn't project, and you have to react to, your main responsibility is still to guide your team, to keep your team afloat and moving in the right direction. You cannot go down and focus everyone's attention on the light bulb that didn't illuminate. The only reason this light bulb didn't illuminate is because it was broken. The landing gear was fine, everything else on the airplane was fine, but the plane crashed because this one little green light was broken. And for you, this translates to keeping in mind that you cannot go down and focus everyone's attention on one little thing. It has to be, you look at it, you give guidance and you go right back up. You keep that airplane flying and flying in the right direction. So that's the story, the 401 uh, Eastern Airline flight that crashed. And I wanted to share that with you as an analogy to the current situation. Now, okay, you may think, well, Ramona, that was a really nice story. But so now what? Don't worry, we got you covered. So the first thing I want you to think about here is as you're looking into what is really my strategy and how do I make sure that I'm not going down into the details and focusing on a little light bulb if in fact I need to be focused on steering, keeping that airplane in the air. The first framework I want to share with you here to keep in mind and think about what that looks like in your life is the circle of influence. Now, this is something that was developed with Apple and has gone through different iterations. But here is how I find this most useful uh, for my clients. And I want to share this with you. The circle of influence in the way I look at it means that you're defining what is it that you're responsible for? What is it that you influence or contribute to? And what is it that you do not touch unless you're being asked or something changes and shifts, right? This exercise, by the way, I would always recommend to not just do for yourself, but to have everyone on your team do so that everyone's crystal clear on what what are their responsibilities 
Where do they collaborate and what is outside of their main scope of responsibilities? Let's take an example. So you might be running a sales team. Your main responsibility as the leader of the sales team might be to have the right people on the right seats to track their performance, to act if something isn't going well, and to make sure that the qualified leads that come into your pipeline actually move through your funnel and are being tracked. That may be your main responsibility. Now, your circle of influence, so that's sort of the target. If you look at this as circles, right? This is the, the red target in the middle. Now, the first circle around that main responsibility are the areas that you contribute to. So you might be contributing uh, to the marketing strategy because you speak with clients all the time. So it is important that you collaborate really well with the marketing team. You might contribute to defining the budget for sales activities and conferences. and, And so you work with your CFO on the annual budget. Around that are things that you influence. Now, some people like to bundle that with contribute or you might see like in your position, no, you know what, I need to distinguish and have a circle of of things that I contribute on. So that we're sort of a shared responsibility. Um, And then we're at the things that I influence. So you might be influencing the the product team, right? So you might be influencing the product strategies because you hear objections uh, from the prospects. This is something where you have regular meetings and you want to share feedback to the product team or to the customer service team or the operations team based on what you know and the information that you gather in your day-to-day. The last circle are all the things that you do not touch. So I might say, I do not touch the, the tools that we measure our conversion rates. I need to see the reports, but I don't touch it at all. You might say, I'm not touching my CRM at all, except for my entries, but I'm not part of the strategy of how to use it. This, yes, it is something that I deal with, but I do not touch it. I do not get involved. That exercise in itself can help you gain clarity on where is it that your main responsibility lies, and then what are the areas around it that you either contribute on you influence or then actually these are out of reach unless someone makes a specific request and I am the the most appropriate person to handle this request. There's no one else who would have the knowledge or the skill set uh, that I do in order to to meet that this, this specific request. So that's the first thing. Get really, really clear on your key responsibilities and defining your team's strategy or is part of your responsibility if you're leading your team. That goes right into the bullseye of this, right? It's in that first circle. This is flying the plane and flying it in the right direction. Now, the second tool that sort of comes out of this is that you want to do a SWOT analysis. Yes, like we learned in school, a proper SWOT analysis by the books. So you're looking at the strength. What does your team have in terms of strength from from a team perspective, but also individuals that bring specific strength to your team? What are some of the advantages that your team has versus other teams in the organization? What are some weaknesses that you feel you notice in your team that you could improve on? Things you need to avoid factors that may be eroding success within your team. 
what are the strengths internally and the weaknesses within your team that you're currently dealing with? And then on the other side, from an external perspective, what are some of the opportunities and threats? So opportunities such as what could be new processes that we can launch? What could be opportunities to improve the way we collaborate with other teams? Improvements overall on what we're delivering and what we're doing. What should the team start doing or stop doing or continue to do to be in a better position throughout this crisis and by the end of this crisis. From a threats perspective, what are some of the obstacles that you notice and have to deal with based on uh, the current challenging environment? What are some changes in strategies and strategic priorities that you are being influenced by, right? From a corporate perspective or maybe from a market perspective. What is outside of your control? And what are some of the things that threats and risks that may be coming your way that you need to face down the road as this health crisis to co- continues to turn to, to impact the economy and possibly re- lead us into a recession? So asking yourself, what can we not control, but what will we be impacted by? So these are the threats or possibly opportunities from the outside. And what can we control and should stop, start, or continue doing? These are two really, really important questions to ask yourself and possibly to brainstorm with your team together so that you're clear on the strength, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats. This will help you steer that airplane in the right direction. So the circle of influence is all about making sure that your attention really is on flying the plane. The SWOT analysis is all about helping you fly that plane in the right direction. Because as a leader of your team, this is your responsibility. It is not in the, in the fire drills. It is not in being reactive every single day. You've got to take time to step back, reflect, observe, and then make decisions that help you get through these challenging times and to come out in a better place, in the best possible place that you and your team could be in. So once you've done this work, you bring this back and you look at a 100-day plan. This is my recommendation. But of course, there's no one-size-fits-all. And you hear me say this over and over. Nothing here and nothing that you read in a book will fit to every situation in a work environment. Work is too complex. There are too many things that are uh, unique to your situation, be this your business, your team, your boss, yourself and your personality and your strength, the, the market environment that you're in, the products and services that you manage. But what does fit all is that we want to have a very clear plan and get everyone involved around that plan on what we're going to do over the next 100 days. You could say next three months, next quarter, whatever that is. But this is part of flying the plane in the right direction. You can't do this by yourself. You need to actually write it down. Get everyone on the same page on your team, including key stakeholders and your boss. A way to do this is to go through the process of the circle of influence and the SWOT analysis 
but then also to boil it down to three to five main goals. These are the key priorities that everyone on your team needs to be able to list within a second's notice. These are not the things they should be looking up because they forgot. These are things that you want them to have ingrained in their head, in their day-to-day that they always know our team's key priorities right now are one, two, three. And yes, there are a million other things that they're doing, but what are those big, big chunks that we're tackling right now? The clarity comes from you. That clarity comes from you doing the upfront work to get to that, to work with your team, to make sure that you got a a good decision-making process in place, to brainstorm and then to be decisive in your decision and to lead the way to get to that desired outcome. To keep people motivated and engaged on why you're doing it, what you're doing it for, and to celebrate successes along the way. Right, Doing it once is not going to be enough. You have to go back and communicate those goals over and over again to celebrate milestones and to let them know if anything changes on that priority list. It is not you know, written in stone. Right now, so many things fluctuate. There is uncertainty and volatility left and right. Regardless of that, we cannot be aimless. Right, We have to have priorities in place even if those change Um, and change a little bit too often. That just means that we're adapting to the environment. Now, when and if you have to change priorities, it is super important to explain to your team why you're changing them. When people understand the why, they will understand the what. So when People get frustrated about changing priorities and changing strategies or reorgs. It is often because they don't understand why we're doing this again. Yet, if you can clearly lay out what has changed internally or externally that requires you to adapt, adjust, and shift priorities, and you can do so in a compelling and obviously a logical way, it is way more likely for people to be on board, not get frustrated about changing priorities, even if that means that certain projects that they've worked on will be stalled or postponed to a later time or maybe even abandoned. They're all in this together uh, with you to win and if winning means to shift then get people on board explain the why and get people aligned and get everyone aligned on the what so this is what I'm leaving you with in this episode I want to make sure that you keep that plane flying up in the air not get boxed down by a broken green light um, when everything else would be running smooth and you're doing this by getting clear on your core responsibilities the circle of influence is a powerful tool to do this and possibly to do this even with your team the second piece is to make sure that plane flies in the right direction and the SWOT analysis is a wonderful uh, tool to do this. The third part of it is to then define clear priorities and goals for the next three months. Make sure that everyone on your team understands what those priorities are and why those are the priorities. And when you get these three pieces in place, you're well on track to focus on what matters most even in times of uncertainty and frequent change. 
And if you want some help and guidance as you're looking at defining the strategy, doing the SWOT analysis, coming up with your key priorities, and then getting your team on board with it, then let's talk. My conversations are not high pressure conversations. Those are not sales talks. I want to get to know you, you to get to know me. And if there's a way I can help and be of service to you and help you become a better leader, more effective, productive, confident, and competent leader, then I will go above and beyond to do so for you. Head over to www.ramonashaw.com forward slash apply to schedule a call with me. I'm looking forward to it and I'll see you in the next episode. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.